Let's turn our Bibles to Genesis chapter 3 as we end the second to last message on this series, Reestablish. How do we reestablish our marriages so that they function healthy and productive? There are going to be moments. I've had them and have had them. But how do we let the Spirit reign? How do we let the Spirit of God reign? In Genesis chapter 3, this is what it teaches. It says, and now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field. Don't forget what I've said from Genesis chapter 1, 26, all the way to chapter 4. You could learn everything about marriage and family. The entire Bible builds on these four chapters, the entire Bible. He says, now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord had God had made. And he said to the woman, indeed, has God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden, we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it. She added, or touch it, or you shall surely die. By verse 3, Adam did his job. And then the serpent said to the woman, you shall surely not die. For God knows that in the day that you eat from, from it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight for the eyes, and the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from the fruit and ate, and she gave it also to her husband. Interesting. First time you hear that. She gave it to her husband, and uh, guess what he did? <laughs> did she say she went and looked for him and gave it to him? All right. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig trees, fig leaves together, and made themselves loin coverings. Hey God, your word is blessed. I don't dare ask that God, but you've got so much in this text. We could talk about this for three weeks, so give me wisdom how to get through it, but yet not, not minimize your message. Help us to have a heart to learn and to grow in it. So God, at least the church is an example to the world in this area, especially. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. If there's anything I've learned being married 43 years is that marriage is like a bull in a china cabinet. What I mean by that is, is that a bull is reckless. A bull is gonna run and they're gonna keep running. I used to look at Western movies. Uh, you know what? You know, the gunslinger movies. To the, to the chagrin of my wife. But I like them gunslinger movies. And I used to look at them. And many times bulls are running through a city. And they're running through this little city. Everybody starts running for cover. Because a bull is just going to run. It's going to knock things over. It's going to tear down houses. Once it gets into a stampede, it is over. Uh, marriage is that fragile. It's like after the fall, after the fall, the flesh is dominant. So the flesh is like a bull. The flesh is like a bull. You look at it in Galatians chapter 5. It is strife. It is envy. 
It goes down the list. It likes to argue. It likes to fight. It likes to curse. It goes down the list. The flesh, the Bible says, has nothing good inside of it. Absolutely nothing. So when you're looking at marriage and you get after the fall, people sin after the fall, what you have is a china in a, a bowl in a china cabinet. That's what you have. You have this bowl, flesh, in a china cabinet, and so it makes marriage fragile. We tend to think that because we made a vow, we got it. We've seen now that that don't mean nothing. Some people make a vow to get to the bedroom, legitimately. Some people make a vow because they're pregnant. Some people make a vow because they've been sleeping around so long and might as well get married. So not every time a vow solidifies anything because people, as a matter of fact, as I share with y'all, I had a gentleman, at, I went to a wedding and a gentleman at the wedding told the preacher, I'll try. When the man says, in sickness or in health and all this other stuff, do you, do you now vow? He said, I'll try. The preacher said, can't do that, brother. You got to say, I do, or are we done? <laughs> so understand, I explained to you as well. I've seen people get married. And that's the negative, I guess, or positive about being in ministry over, well, pastoring for almost 30 years. But before then, been in ministry since I was 12. So the negative to all of that time is that you see people do a lot of things. You see people get married, but the, the husband keeps the house he was in and moving with the wife. So you know he ain't really committed yet because he has to sell the house. He's not even putting it up for sale. I've seen things. I've seen things where the woman says, no, come to my house because she ain't sure. And if she kicks him out, she's still living. I've seen people not even respect a vow. So today when we look at this, we see that marriage degenerated. You, you, you can look at the fact that you got Adam and Eve and that marriage held together for 930 years. Abraham and Sarah, their marriage went through a lot of difficulties, a lot of stresses. You look at the fact that when you go to Jacob and Rachel and Leach, he got two women. By the time you get to Solomon, he got a thousand. So you see in the Bible, this bull in marriage, in the flesh, was like a bull in a china cabinet because marriage kept degenerating over time to the point where when you come to the New Testament, you got the Romans who did anything. They did anything. They went to bathhouses, do what they want to do at the bathhouses, took a bath and did other things. I still went home. So you, that's why Paul would write in the book of Ephesus how to have a marriage, even though people were married, because people he's writing to, they have all kinds of marriages in all kinds of ways. They went both ways. You know, they got a man to a man, woman to a woman, then they go home to the wife. You got all these different things. So by the time you get to Ephesians, and you're looking at all he's defining in Ephesians, marriage has degenerated that much. Why? Because marriage in the flesh is like a bull in a china cabinet. It's very fragile. Marriage, when it's not in the flesh, is proving to be temperamental. That's what we're looking at today. There's no flesh. These two people are said to be perfect. They're good. God says, what I put Adam and Eve together in chapter, chapter 2, he says, it is good. 
I can now accomplish my purposes. I can now see within Adam and Eve in the design that I fashioned one, I made one, I taught Adam, I explained to him, put him in the garden, designed the garden, set it all up, make sure he's in the right part of the garden, the eastern part of the garden. I've set him up, I've given him the ability, two hands, two feet, a brain, eyes, all this other stuff to cultivate a garden. I've done it all. He, he can manage all of this. I've set him up to do it. Does he have limitations? Yes, that's why I gave him two hands. I guess he have limitations? Yes, he only got two feet. Does he have limitations? Only one heart goes out, we out. Only one brain goes out, we out. We may have a shot with the lungs because we got two lungs, two kidneys, but some other things like liver, we got one of them. So he says, I gave him limitations, but he's not going to die. It's not until he eats from this tree he could die. So God came to man and he said, hey, I've given you everything. I've set up your purpose. Here is your purpose for life. Your purpose for life is designed from chapter 1, 26, all the way to the end of chapter 2. You have now purpose in your life. Matter of fact, if the Bible says when a man finds a job that he enjoys, he's found his lot. He's found his lot. Keep doing that. You get excited. Keep going. That's where you're going to find your energy, your passion, your drive. You found it. So the Bible is even saying that in the, New Test in the Old Testament, in the places like Ecclesiastes. So when we come to this whole issue... God is saying it's done in chapter 2. We're done. He doesn't have nothing else to say. You don't find God talking until after they sin. He was done. There was no new information to share. That's why I'm saying you could look at chapter 2 and you could learn about marriage for the rest of the Bible right there. That's why I took so much time in it and I could have still done two more Sundays to find new things in it. There's just so much in there. So we come to chapter 3 and God finished speaking. You think people stayed focused? No. How, just, let's face it, we come to church and what does Satan do the minute we hit the door? There's music, there's movies, there are all kinds of things to grab our minds and our attention and our passions the minute we hit the door. Somebody may do something crazy in the parking lot, there we go. We may get home and the husband or the wife act crazy, there we go. Satan is not done because we heard a message from God. The issue at the end of the message is where is your will? That's what the issue is. Where is our will at the end of the message? And that's exactly what God leaves it. I've given you every bit of information. I gave you a good man. I gave you a good woman. And I gave you all information. Now the question is, when you leave the church house, what are you going to do? I'm not going to force you to do anything because then I am not God. I am a dictator. God is a God that is sovereign. He's going to do what he's going to do. So whether we change our mind to do his will or not do his will, he's going to accomplish his purposes no matter what we do. So he doesn't have to be a dictator to get us to do anything because he can do what he's going to do. It's so perfect, so powerful. We can't stop it no matter how hard we try. So God doesn't have to be a dictator. He just says, here is the information. Here's what you're going to do. I've already, I'm so God. I know the past, present, future. I know what eternity looks like. I know every decision you're going to make. I factored it all in to get what I'm going to get done. So whether you decide to follow me or not, I'm still going to do what I'm going to do. So he finishes talking. He's done. You know he's finished because chapter 3 says Jesus is going to die because you sinned. Done. Right there in chapter 3 verse 15. You will bruise his heel. He will crush your head. It's Calvary. Talked about. Done. So it's not like he is surprising God. So God releases them. And upon that release, we see what makes marriage frail. So let's take a walk. What makes all of our marriages, and I mean all. I've been married 43 years and I never think my marriage will make it any moment. I always think it could end. I never take it good to go. That's, what, that's the first mistake you could make. 
is to think he's a good man, I'm a good woman, we done. Don't do that. Adam and Eve had everything perfect and they still messed up. Are you with me? They had a garden cultivated, they got everything. Matter of fact, that's the, it seemed like that's the history of man. In the wilderness, people mess up. You put them in the promised land, they sin. Anytime man seems to do well, Solomon is the worst time in his life. I keep raising, when I was raising our sons, I said the same thing to them. Ah, making it is not the hard part of life. Success is the hard part. Success is the hardest part to keep your mind focused on God, to keep doing what God says, surrendering to what God said. Anyone that got to the level of success, that was the worst thing they ever did if they were not ready for it. You, watch, you even watch players, soccer players, football players, basketball stars. Look at what happens many to many of them. They're not ready for it. So you have a wealthy group of people here. Resources in front of their face don't need nothing. And in chapter 3, verse 1, he says that now, now, now the serpent was more crafty. Now. Obviously, the garden is new to everything is new. So a serpent, obviously, he was not on his stomach, on his belly, crawling around. Because he, he, when, he, when he cursed him, he put him on his belly. So this serpent could have been some moving around like this. Would you like to see a snake doing that? Okay, let's keep going. <laughs> But a serpent, as a matter of fact, you see a cobra do that when, it's, when it wants to snap at somebody. It gets on its tail. So the snake is most likely on its tail, moving around. And then apparently, apparently, it was in, she's discovering things. She's, just, she's new to the garden. She's discovering things. So she does not know a snake is not supposed to talk. She doesn't know. And she is here, and the serpent now knows you got all the information. So he doesn't go to, he goes to one place to trick it, the brain. That's why Paul would say, renew your mind. He goes to the brain to get them from this brain to create what he needs to create in this brain because he knows in the brain is where all the will lies, is in the brain. But he also knows there's five senses, and those five senses he could work on them to get to the brain. So he attacks the brain. And he only comes when he knows that they got all the information because Satan is not impressed by our biblical knowledge. That's why preachers that could be well-educated could fail on one thing, pride. On one thing, all you got to do is get you to be proud. It's over. Matter of fact, I always say to people, and I've had people argue with me on that, that pride is the fall. Because it's, the same, it's synonymous. Pride before comes before a fall. Pride, no, 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 no. When a person gets into the attitude, the aptitude of pride, independence from God, you always know when a person is independent from God, they don't pray as much. They don't read the Bible as much. They don't seek direction from God as much. Pride is independence from God. That's all pride is. I, I got this. That's all pride is. Pride is when I think I could do what I need to do without God. I don't have to pray. I have to seek God. I got the money. I got the, I got the resources. I got the education. I got the, all these different things I got. I could go to work and do my job. I got the education to get it done. I got the car. I can make this trip. I got to pray first for I got a brand new car. Anytime we have resources, it can create pride. So Satan comes after that. Watch this carefully. And, and, and that's why even preachers fail at this. He says, now serpent, the serpent was more crafty than any beast in the field. So that's why Satan picks the serpent. Satan don't pick the serpent because uh, he just likes snakes. Satan picks the serpent because he's after her brain and the serpent is crafty. 
And he knew that God made this beast, this animal that is crafty. So he knew that, hey, I got to get the craftiest one to do what I need to do because I need to get this brain working against hers. That's why the Bible takes a lot of time about preaching on Sunday morning. It's not to bore you to death. It's because he knows Satan is after your brain. Now, here's the key thing. He says, and that's why I would never let this church be no 30-minute sermon. I ain't doing it. Bump that. Okay? Who's going to be here is going to be here. Who ain't going to be here is going to be here. I'm all right. I've been broke before. You don't scare me. The serpent was more crafty than any beast in the field, which the Lord God had made. Okay, he capitalized, watch this carefully, how malign this became. How malign this became is that he capitalized on the ability of God first. I want you to understand this. I just want to walk through this. What so I told you all in this message, or this series of messages, I don't care if I preach much. I want to walk through this that much because I also many times have to be reminded in my own marriage of 43 years. I don't want a sister. I got four sisters. Well, three now. I want a wife <laughs> in the name of Jesus. This is what he says, okay? He says this. He says, he knew what God made. So is Satan absent when God is working? No. When God cast Satan from heaven, he cast him to the earth. So Satan is roaming the earth. He's on earth before God made it. That's how God, God see him successful. God says, I don't have to keep you in heaven, make earth, trick you up really bad, so that you can mess up when you come to earth. No, I can have you exposed to everything and still be successful accomplishing whatever I want. It just depends on who chooses to follow me. I don't have to hide nothing from you. Satan knows everything. He comes and he uses a beast that he knows that God has made crafty. He knows that the Lord is in charge of that beast. He knows that, the, watch this for it carefully, the Lord God. Why is it careful to say that? Because Colossians chapter 1 says that, it, that all things are through Christ, for Christ, by Christ. So God, Christ is the one who is speaking everything into being. That's why the Bible was said the word became flesh. In other words, Christ who made everything then came down on earth to be everything so everybody can come to know everything through Christ. So that's why he's saying he made everything. So Satan tends to use the platform that God provides. Let me show you something. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He uses the platform that God provides in order to use it to corrupt us. He's not coming to people that God made, people that God put in the garden, people that God organized to follow his word, people that God sat down and explained the word of God to. And now you can come to them people and go, well, let me tell you a whole new message of Satan. That don't make any sense. He's going to come and he's going to talk from what God said to trick them. And he's still doing that today. He's still doing it today. Look at chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians. Look at verse 13. He says this. For such men are false upon his people in the Corinthian church. Okay? The Corinthian church. Matter of fact, verse 12 would not hurt you. For what am I, for what am I doing I will continue to do so that I may cut off opportunity for those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the matter about which we are boasting. There are people that are going to try to gain just the way we gain an ability to teach, to lead you, to direct you. There are people going to come to the same arena and try to do exactly what God called us to do from the same arena to drive you crazy. Watch it carefully. 
In verse 13, he said, for such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, deceive, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. No wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore, do not be, it is not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end will be according to their deeds. Watch that carefully. He's saying in the church, in the pulpit, Satan will take the pulpit to use it for his means by putting people in the pulpit that he could work from the pulpit to get people who choose to come to church to go God's way. He's still doing the same thing. He's still coming to the garden that God made. He's still coming to the people that God made, the Lord God made. He's still coming to the people who God deposited his word to and he's going to use that very platform to corrupt from that platform what he needs to do to get his job done. He's not coming with a dread jumpsuit on a pitchfork saying hey I'm Satan do what I say no he's coming dressed like the shining star he's not gonna he's gonna be one of the things you learn right away he's gonna promote himself not promote God he's gonna keep one of the things you see when he gets the platform he promotes himself it's all about Satan it's all about what you need to believe in and that's what Satan is saying that's what he's doing and he uses the platform of God to get it done and that's why you see him coming in here using everything that God has done to do what he's going to do because Satan can't create nothing. Satan is a created being. He can't create. So Satan has to take what God has done and use it. That's one of the reasons I believe that football is on Sunday. Don't don't forget what I said. I believe. I ain't got a verse. I'm just telling this is what I believe. And that's why on Sunday morning we got to choose are we going to, some people choose it by service. We can go to 8 o'clock, 11 o'clock based on the game. Knowing the Texans going to lose anyway, but the people still do it. They've been promising 30 years of success and y'all still believe the lie. I understand the Cowboys, they had at least five Super Bowls, but y'all ain't got nothing. Y'all still believe. Y'all still believe. I understand. I understand your conviction in the name of Jesus. But people will literally go and do another worship service. What do you have? Tailgating. What is that? The Lord's Supper. What do you do when you go and sit in the seat? You give an offering. You do. What do you do when the team is doing well? You start doing the wave. You lift up holy. (laughs) I'm I'm just moving on right now. That's all. Let's just move on. Satan can't create anything. He has to use what's already created to accomplish his purposes. And if I could keep people out the church doors, I got it made. Okay? What happened after they listened to Satan? They were kicked out the garden. Watch this carefully. In verse 1, we learn that Satan will use the platform that God has given to malign people. Here's the next thing you would find. You would find right here, he would say, and he said to the woman, he said to the woman, why is he talking to the woman? Is it because she's less than the man? Absolutely not. I don't care what any man says. He cannot prove that biblically. He cannot. And that's when a man takes a woman, all he can think about is the bedroom. He moves her from being a woman to an object. And that's why there's much frustration. That's why most women feel become bitter. Understand, a woman is just as capable as the man. He said that. I don't know why we get shocked. Well, this woman can drive a race car like anybody else. What? Okay, he said, I made them in my 
I made them. Them is plural, right? We've been to at least first grade. Plural. I made them in my image. A woman is not less. That's why the Bible says in order for her to follow man, she has to restrain herself. First Timothy chapter 2. She has to restrain. In other words, he's saying stuff that don't make sense. It's hard for her to follow what he's saying. And it's difficult for her to follow what he's saying. So in order to literally, that's why he never says obey your husband. He says you have to force yourself to come under. In order for my agenda to get done. Because the woman is not dumb. He's not coming to the woman giving her stuff because she's less. He's coming to the woman for this reason. He has to restructure what God has organized. Why was, what's the big deal about turning stone to bread? What's the big deal? Turn it to bread. You're hungry for 40 days, 40 nights. Turn it. Oh man, the reason why he's doing that is because God made it stone. And who's the one making it? Jesus. All things are through him, for him, and by him. If Jesus Christ was to take the stone and make it bread, then you didn't know what you were doing when you first started. So when you first started, you didn't know what you were doing. You went out and did something that was not a perfect creation. So since you messed up and did that, go violate your own creative order. Go go above your God, the God that is your Lord God, and you make it what you want it to be for your own needs. Same thing he's doing with Eve. Take this fruit and use it for your own means. But I'm going to start with you because God spoke to the man first. And in order for me to do anything to make all of this go crazy, I got to get it out of order. So once I reverse the order, we already got it going on. So once Eve started talking to him, it was over. And I'm going to show it to you. It was over. The minute she started talking, rather than do what the New Testament says, if you have a question, go home and ask your husband. I know some husbands, they know nothing about the Bible. Let's be straight about it. Some husbands, they ain't know nothing. So you have, the Bible gives you a church house. So the Bible is saying there's a backup system to keep this in order. So women, because of abilities, because of capabilities, tend when the man is not functioning at the level, they know God is calling him to function, they tend to talk first. The minute they do that, Satan got them in this conversation. Got quiet. Okay? So he, he works the woman based on how God designed her. God said, I fashioned her. I fashioned her for a purpose. She would have kids. I fashioned her to a purpose. She would breastfeed. There ain't no Similac in that day. I fashioned her with a tenderer skin so that the man who's going to lead the home and got to go to work, got to fight wars, have tougher skin, has uh, naturally stronger. I know there's some he women out there, but it's naturally stronger naturally stronger than the woman and I made him that way because he's the one cultivating the garden so I made man to cultivate the garden so he has to have the muscles the strength the, the the ability to cultivate so I made him that way but then I fashioned the woman to what she's going to do she's going to be tender skinned she's going to be she's going to be naturally weaker than the man that's why physical abuse is not tolerated she's naturally weaker than the man so as a result of that, Satan is coming to what he knew God fashioned. When he come to Christ, turned a stone to bread. Why? Christ is what? Hungry. So he comes to what he knows. There may be a tendency to get what he needs done. And in order to do that, he comes to the woman the way God fashioned her. And she literally showed it when she says, you can't touch. Whoa, he didn't say touch. I learned that watching my wife shop. They got to touch. Turn around. Look. 
See how it works. Okay? A woman needs to be touched to feel loved. So he knew touch was important. What did Adam say? What did Adam say? She's bone of my bone and what? She needs to be touched. So if you want to make a woman very lonely in a marriage, don't touch her. Or only touch her when you want something. Then the touch is corrupted. But if a woman is touched and you're not heading anywhere, it's a touch. I'll move on. For some men go, man, I ain't feeling that. I, you know. Look at this, he says. He says, and he said to the woman, indeed, has God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden. He starts on the platform. He's using the platform. And he starts out saying, what God said to you is correct. Here's the thing about deception. Deception always starts out with the truth, but it don't end there. It always starts out with the truth. That's why people go, hey, you sound like you sound like you sound like you sound good to me. That makes sense to me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Truth, anybody's going to deceive you will always start off with the truth. The Bible says you got to look at the rest of the story. And you got to keep following the story against the word of God. But everybody would start out that way. That's, how, that's why they're deceptive. So watch this carefully. He starts off with God. He's using God's platform. He knows God has already spoken. He heard the message. He did not need for her to come tell him the message. Okay? He didn't have to. He was there. He heard it. The Bible says Satan will come in among us. He's here. Jesus had a thief walking with him. <laughs> now, here's the problem here. That leads to deception that is on their part. God put the tree in the middle of the garden. What is God seeking to do? Force them. There was an east, west, north, south side in the garden. Because he said, I went to the east and I did this. So the garden was large enough to go to the east. But God knows that they are moving around the garden. So he's forcing them to a decision. So he puts the tree in the middle of the garden. Now understand, folks, there's a tree of life in the garden too, but that's not in the middle. That is a decisive decision that I'm going to go to church or I'm going to pick up my Bible and I'm going to turn my life to Christ, period. That is a decisive decision that he's saying, I'm not going to stir you to, you're going to have to want me, and the way you want me is determined by the way you will yourself to me. And especially in the flesh, when we are now in the flesh, we got to decide willfully, I'm going to church. Decide willfully, I'm going to read my Bible. Decide willfully, I'm going to pray today. I'm not going to go through this day without praying. You know what? I'm already in the middle of my meal, but I'm going to stop and still ask God to bless what I ate and bless the rest I'm going to eat. Yes, I, I jumped in this car, didn't pray for safety, but God, I remember now. So God, thank you for reminding me to pray. Please take me safely. Brand new car or what? Please take me safely. So sometimes I, I rush in to catch a plane, I'm sitting there, and I go, you know what, God, I ain't prayed yet. But we're already at 37,000 feet, so thank you for getting me here this far, but please bring me back down. So it's not always a time we remember, but he's saying, hey, when, when the situation comes up, we have to respond the way God said it. And it's a willful decision, no matter if we start late, start in the middle, come to the end, still do what he calls you to do. It's a willful decision. I would not naturally, even when they were good, move in that direction. 
Naturally. You say, wait a minute. Oh, they, they were, yeah, but they didn't naturally go there. They, not, they, they, in the middle of the garden, walked up to the tree. So we can't say that Satan made us do anything. That's what Genesis 3 is saying. We walked to it. We walked to it. Look at James chapter 1. We can't say that say, oh, Satan made me do this. No, 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 no. They walked to this tree in their good state. They walked to this tree in their good, pl good place, in a perfect garden made by God. They went to the wrong tree. Now, don't forget. Watch, well, please hear this statement. Please hear this statement. So I'm going to be messed up theologically. They couldn't eat from it. That's why it took Satan to make them do it. You're not hearing me. In a perfect state, they could just go to the tree. But because they're in a perfect state, they can't pick from it. So all they could do is go there and stand there and look at this tree and check it out. But they can't pick from it. Why? Because they were made by God to do good, so they couldn't do it. They had to get somebody to talk them into it. And when Satan talked them into it, that's when they could do it. But with us, we are in a sin nature. Who created the sin nature? Satan. So he knows the sin nature better than all of us put together. So he knows how to get us. So when we, here's the key thing, when we delay in obeying God, we set up Satan to do what he needs us to do. So I'm saying two things. One, he didn't drag them to the tree, so we can't say Satan made us do it. The second thing I'm saying is, when they're at the tree, they have to be talked into it. But in our case, he don't have to talk us into it. We got to talk ourselves out. Come on, let's go. Let's walk. That's why people in the Bible, when we come to marriage and our emotions are high, our feelings are where they are, we got to be talked. We got to literally get back to God. And that's why James is saying, watch your anger. Bring it down a notch so we can keep our brain going. Look at James chapter 1. Don't forget. He, they, they couldn't pick from it. We pick from it and ask for forgiveness. And we can't say that Satan made us do it. No. We went smack dab there based on what we wanted to do. Okay? And Adam did not stop her from going there. Okay? He did not. In James chapter 1, he says this. Blessed is the man who preserves on the trial. Verse 12. For once he have been approved, he will receive the crown of, crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot tempt, be tempted by evil. But he himself does not tempt anyone. He doesn't put no fine looking woman in front of you when you're married. Satan does. 1 Corinthians 7 says that. He doesn't put no handsome looking man when you are broke. And need somebody and the man walked out the door or ain't paid the bills or act crazy. Bible says 1 Corinthians 7, Satan did that. God don't bring that, but Satan can't make us do nothing. We got to stop saying that. That's a lie. He says, but in each one, verse 14, is tempted by when he is carried away and enticed by his own what? Yeah, lust in the Bible means I know it's forbidden but I'm still doing it. So what does this tell us about Adam and Eve? They couldn't pick from it, but they did lust to figure out why he's saying don't eat from this one. Why is he telling me what not to do? 
You learn this with a kid. If you want to know how much your, sin, your kid is born in sin, tell them what not to do. Why is all these laws in the state of Texas and around our country? Because the more you tell people what not to do, guess what? You got to create another law to tell them why they shouldn't do it. They got to create another law. Got to create another law. Why? Because we are born in rebellion against God. So the more you create things that are seriously uh, right or righteous is the more our sin nature comes out. Romans chapter 3 verse 21, 23 says that the more the law exists is the more sin proliferated. That's what you found with the Jews in the wilderness. The more God gives them laws is the worse they got. So the Bible is saying in the flesh we are a bull in the china cabinet. And Satan is not the one dragging us to the tree even in our sin nature. We're the ones going there. We're the ones turning on the TV knowing the person is wrong. We're the ones listening to pe preachers who may say something and we can't even find it in the Bible but oh you sound good to me. We're the ones doing that. We're the ones that are deciding to be too busy to pick up the Bible and see what God is saying about our lives. We're the ones. We're the ones saying, bump the tree of life. I'm going to whatever tree I choose. If they're going to do that in their perfect state, guess what we're going to do? Worse. So that's why you find people will gravitate to a place, a church, that says, I'll bless you this way. I'll give you this. Oh, God just told me that you're going to be healed. And all this stuff. What is that? Sorcery because we, it satisfies our flesh. And the more it satisfies our flesh, the more we gravitate to it. So in the last days, they're going to go to churches that tickle their ears. Let them do what they want to do. Come in church. Be homosexual, lesbians. Come in church. Divorce, remarried. Come in church. But I'm going to church. Anything that lets me do what I want to do is satisfies the flesh. I'm going to be driven to it. I'm going to go to it. And the last days are going to get worse. And that's exactly what we're doing. We are going to the tree. Satan is not dragging us to the tree. And in our sin nature, it's easy for us to bite from the tree. The first thing he has to do is take what God has made. Lord God made it. And twist it to his means. He does that by coming to, coming to the place they choose to walk to and then attack the brain. And then come to the woman. When he comes to the woman, she's not less. He's coming to the woman because he can get her talking. Obviously, that's when you marry a man. He say, well, he don't talk much. Well, that's kind of normal. That's why I tell women, if you already know he ain't talking that much, don't sleep too fast. Because then he's going to really not say nothing. Okay, my husband don't talk too much. Well, what you got Adam doing here? He's talking less. She's talking. There you go. So that's why some people marry a person they know talk a lot, which and then after a while, in about 10 years, five years in the marriage, why, woman, why are you talking so much? She's always been talking a lot. I got quiet up in this place. Because if you watch the verb tense in this scripture, verse 2 says, and the woman said, big mistake. The woman said, if you look at that and you look at the verb tenses, please forgive me for all this Hebrew stuff, it's in the imperfect. What does that mean? In the imperfect means he ain't, quit, he ain't not going to quit talking until he convinces her and she's not going to quit talking until she tells him he's wrong. So, that, so, so what is she doing? Getting into an argument about something that's already decided and the person who decided everything ain't talking no more. God ain't talking no more. She's now talking. This is the first time she's talking. 
She's talking. Adam ain't saying nothing because Adam is saying he got the full information. It's done. It's a wrap. What are we talking about? The woman is now talking. And, and I understand this, ladies. A lot of times when you're talking and talking and talking and talking, he's going to lead you to common sense. He's leading you to common That's all he's going to do. He's leading her to her own understanding. I'm going to show it to you in the text. The minute you drift from the Bible to your own understanding, he got you. Your husband going to become the enemy. Everything is going to become the enemy because he has you in yourself. And the minute he gets you in yourself, it's over. So all he got to do is get you into yourself. Your feelings, your thinking. What she's going to say? I can't touch it. She's into her feelings. Watch it carefully. So that's why you have failure. She gets into her feelings and she left the brain. Got quiet. They ain't got no amens from women today. Well, this, this preacher going to preach, though. Y'all don't understand. I preach harder when you ain't saying nothing. Because that means you're listening. And if you're mad at me, it's all right. God says you will be, so I, I know I'm in good company. So, so watch this carefully. She's talking, he's talking. They're going back and forth, talking, 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 talking. They, 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 there's no stopping here. We, we tend to think he talked and she talked. No, they're literally just talking back and forth in perfect tense. And they don't plan to stop talking until they get to the bottom of this. Okay? That's the first mistake the woman made. Don't talk outside your husband. She did. Don't talk about what God wants for your family outside of your husband. Big mistake. She was talking outside of her husband, but the marriage. And some women do that at the job, sharing it with a man. Girl, you don't know my husband. He drives me crazy. Girlfriend. And then they do the worst thing ever. They go talk to another man about what they don't like about their husband. That's how many women commit adultery. You can see the statistics. They start talking to another man about what's going on in their marriage. Wrong thing. Anytime you start talking to another man about what's going on in a marriage and you start talking to them about your business, he is going to be really listening. I'm just being candid. I've been around, I've been around just two minutes. Some men like married women because they know I can have what I have and go back to what I'm doing. Hello. So women, we learn here how he maligns it is to get you talking outside of your marriage and to get you talking about your relationship with God outside of the person who's supposed to wash you with the word. And once he gets it out of order, once he puts it out of order and he keeps you talking back and forth because some people talk in their brain, they don't talk out loud yet, but they're talking up here. They walk around the house going, I ain't even know why I'm cooking for this man. He just drives me crazy. I'm sitting up here cooking for him like he is Lord or something. He go cook his own food. I, mean, I ain't got to deal with none of this mess. So some people don't talk out loud. They're just talking. They, they, they go in the shower talking. You better not come in this shower. That's why I locked the door. He's not supposed to be up in here. I got a, a he shower and I got a she shower. And people get them houses like that. I never bought a house with a he shower and a she shower. Now, we got the same shower, baby girl. Some people got a he shower and a, and a she shower so that we got to worry about getting in each other's way. No, that's what marriage is. They're in the garden together. It's about getting in each other's way. 
Okay? So he, he, you know, people go in their own bathrooms and they're fixing it. You better not come up in here. He come in this bathroom. That's why I need a lock. up. need to put a lock on this door. He come in here acting like he ain't got no bathroom. So some people don't talk to somebody else. They talk to themselves. That's the somebody else. And by the time they finish that conversation, they're ready to fight. They come out dressed like a nun. They're fighting already. They, they, they ain't got to say we in a fight. Just the way they dress says, we in a fight. You ain't touching me. I'm going to bed. You normally go to bed at 8 o'clock. I'm going to bed at 7.35. They're talking loud. They're saying stuff. They cooked the meal and left it on the stove. Just walk out the kitchen. Your food is ready. So many times what he is doing is, it seems like when God fashioned the woman, he fashioned her with such an ability that the man has, but he also understands the man is the cultivator. He's in the ground working, taking care of stuff, doing stuff. The woman has what? Children. She'll give birth to children. What she has to do? Constantly integrate, interact, deal with children, tell them what to do, to share with them, love them, care for them. So the woman are, is into a relationship situation. That's why he puts the woman to needing to be touched, to be interacted with, to be loved gen gently. All these different things he puts there because, that, because she's doing it to somebody else, she needs it. So that's why he comes to this. He has to malign, he has to change it around. Now let's speed up here because I ain't doing a good job at this. He says this, he says, and the woman said to the serpent, from the, from the fruit of the tree of the garden you may eat. From the garden, you, you, you could eat it. What is he first doing? Creating doubt. Doubt. And from the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God said, you shall not eat from it. Here it is. This is a woman talking now. The woman saying this. Hey, the woman saying, hey, I could eat from any tree of the garden, but I can't eat from this one. But she starts adding to it. I can't touch it or you will die. Can't touch it. He said, don't touch it. The woman shows her nature. He so he show it right here. It shows her tendency, and he's working on the tendency. It's not like she's less than a man, and therefore because she brought the fruit to the man, she no good. You know, and that's not the issue. Women we, we been beat up for that for centuries. It's not true. Satan is working on what he knows has the weaker link. The man don't talk much, so he ain't gonna have a conversation with the man. He's obviously in talking. Where do you see the man talking? I don't know when he saw the woman. She's bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. He started rapping right away. He got his groove on. When he saw a naked woman fashioned by God, he talking. When he finished talking and putting the marriage together, he ain't got nothing else to say. He just want to have fun. What is there to talk about? Look at verse 4. Look at verse 4. The conversation is going on. And now we're going to drift into common sense, human wisdom. Human wisdom and common sense corrupts everything. Uh, hopefully you got your Bible still in the book of James. Keep it there. Verse 4 he says, And the serpent said to the woman, You surely will not die. Here goes the doubt. You will not die. How could he convince her that? Think about it for a minute. When has she seen death? Think about it for a minute. Think about it for a minute, right? She hears the words, but she lacks the evidence. Right? If somebody comes to here and say, man, if you eat from this tree of life, you're going to die. We got so much death going on, we go, yeah, I don't want that. Where's their death? It is a concept, not a reality. 
So she hasn't seen death. All she knows that God said you will spiritually die and you will physically die. And she gets the message, but she has no evidence that it ever happens. So, if she, so he's going to go to the lack of evidence. What is faith? Faith is the substance of what you hope for and the evidence of what you can't. She couldn't see this, so she chose not to take the word and act it, so she chose not to walk in faith. She made a choice not to walk in faith. That's it. Well, what, 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 what is, what is, what is say carefully, women. Many times when Satan wants, well, men and women, wants to trick us, he has to trick us on the fact that your notice don't make no sense. So tell me how in the world, I'm not picking on this for any motives. It just, just, it just came to my mind as the best illustration because it grabs you right away because you don't want to, everybody don't willingly do this. How you know by giving to the church, God going to bless you? You look blessed right now. So why give to the church? Keep your money. Make it what you need it to be because you got your education. You went out and worked. You put all of this energy into getting what you need to do. And now you get all the stuff you need to do. You're going to give it away? Why would you give it away? You don't know if God going to bless you like he say he going to bless you. He creates doubt when you lack evidence. That's why faith is born. Look at, look at James chapter 3. Look at James chapter 3. Are you still there? I work with your preacher today. I, I got to finish today because Pierre went and got done. So he messed me up. The assistant pastor of Living Word Fellowship Church. So hold on today. If I don't get finished today, I just preach two sermons next week. That's all. I'm just messing. I'm just messing with him. I'm just messing. I'm just messing with him. Look what he says here. He says, verse 13, Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show it by his good behavior, his deeds and gentleness of wisdom. Does she have any evidence that Satan behaves good? No. This is a snake talking to her. She don't know nothing about Satan. Where is the information that God said about Satan to her? Why would God have to tell her about Satan in the first place? She don't know nothing about no Satan. What does she say? Satan, I heard about you. She don't know. So God is saying, you don't need to know about Satan. Know about me. When you know about me, you got everything you need to do with Satan. Satan will never conquer you. He will never overcome you. He would never destroy you. If you just take my sword and use it, you got enough. Stop talking about Satan. Getting into Satan. Forget Satan. I can do all you need according to my riches and glory. I'm sufficient for everything. The word of God, 2 Peter chapter 1, is sufficient for everything you need for life and godliness. You don't need nothing else. So why am I going to tell you about a whole different conversation, a whole different information about Satan when you don't need nothing else? So God never talked to her about Satan. In verse 14 says, And if you, if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant or lie against the truth. This wisdom is not which comes down from above, but it's earthly, natural, and what? We can get into this. For this jealousy and selfish ambition exists. There is disorder of every evil thing. So when things are evil and out of order, people got selfish ambitions. And he's saying it's demonic. So what is he doing? I got to get you to common sense because once I get you to common sense, what would you do? Have selfish ambition. You could be, what is he saying? You could be just like God. 
And once I get you there, I got myself there. I know how to get you there. And once I get you there, you're going to dump the Bible. You're going to go for your selfish ambition. Demons will influence you and it's over. No, Satan does that to all the time. You know, we see somebody else with another car. We're going to work five jobs and forget our kids. We're going to get that car. And then we're going to turn around and say, God blessed me. God didn't bless me. And the kids are a baby going all over the place. God didn't bless us. Selfish. We forsook our family trying to go after something God never gave to us. We got selfish ambition all the time. Selfish ambition corrupts marriage. I ain't going to tell no, no man ain't going to tell me what to do. This woman ain't going to tell me what to do. I'm going to run this house. So we have... And demons come in. People talk about divorce. Because every form of evil, every form of self, every form of disorder goes boom. Satan knows this. She dropped the Bible, it's over. Look at chapter 1. He loves to keep us talking. Why? Chapter 1, verse 26, he says, And anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue, he deceives his own heart. His, this man's religion is what? She doesn't bridle her tongue. So guess what happens to her commitment to God? It became what? Worthless. Stop having conversations with Satan. Stop walking around having, well, man, I heard this song. It's a good rap song, boy. When I see this woman, I'm going to use this on her. You know, it's like when I was growing up, I'm dating Marvin Gaye, Lou Ross. They, they, they put the groove on. They, they put the Mac on, man. They, they were the ones that gave you the Mac. I don't care what anybody says. You see, brother sitting there going, no, man, I was out of my own creation. No, he wasn't. Many times, Monday songs, Earth, Wind, and Fire, Marvin Gaye. Y'all come on now. Y'all know them people put your Mac on. You know. Some guys go get the right perfume, right cologne rather, <laughs> not perfume, please don't do that, but right cologne and because and, uh, you know if I put on this cologne, things going to rock. Hello. So they come to the relationship with, a, with, a, with an ambitious nature, not attached to building a relationship, getting to know the person, it's all about the bedroom. So it's selfish. And women fall for that. Y'all still listening to Satan? Okay, let me keep going. Let me keep going. So human wisdom is where he's driving her to. Yeah, you're still with me. Look at verse 4. He's still with me. He says, look at, look at verse 5. For God knows that in the day that you eat from it, your eyes will be open. He told the truth there. And you will be like God knowing good and evil. You will know good and evil. You'll be just like God. What is that? Selfish ambition. When people become ambitious above, above what God is saying in their marriage, in their lives, they set themselves up for failure. If you know that you are only making $15 an hour, live there. If you know 
that this is the best house you can afford to manage your family so you still have time to be a husband, time to be a wife, time for to raise kids, time to be influential in their lives, time to go to their games, time to sit at their practices, time to be in their bedrooms talking to them, time to sit at the table together as a family. When you know that you can do it that way, if it's not a big house somewhere in Bel Air or wherever, Praise the Lord God, you got a covering over your head. Because all God is saying is a man needs to have a covering over his head. He needs to provide for his family a covering. So he didn't say a covering in Bel Air, a covering in this place or that place. Just give a covering. Some of us are so selfish in our ambitions, it corrupts our families. Got to live within your means. Now let me tell you why communicating with Satan is crazy. I'll take you to a few more passages. Look at Proverbs chapter 10. You got to learn this. And then I'll stand out and wrap up. Look at Proverbs chapter 10. Look at verse 19. And then you're going to go to Ecclesiastes chapter 5. You don't conversate with Satan. You don't have interactions with Satan. You don't start talking to yourself using common sense. Here is how it gets corrupt. Demons get in part of it. And then the Bible says religion gets thrown out the door. Walking with God gets thrown out the door. There's no, throwing, there's, there's no commitment with God. It's gone. Look at chapter 10 and go down to verse 19 in the book of Proverbs. And this is what he says in verse 19. He says in verse 19, when there are many words, transgression is unavoidable. But he who restrains his lips is wise. Come with me. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 7. He says, he says, do not keep conversating. Especially if you happen to have a person in your job that is a man or a person in your job that's a woman that you have to keep interacting with. Keep it business. Keep it professional. Stop going into your personal life and having these conversations. The Bible is saying walk from them. Satan will use those things to corrupt. Look at chapter 5, verse 7. He says, For in many dreams there is, and in many words there is emptiness rather than fear God. Folks going to their dream. Well, God just gave me a dream. And I know this dream is from God. And God said, They dropped the Bible. The Bible says it's better to fear God and to walk in his ways than to keep moving in directions based on dreams and visions that we love to have. When we do that, Satan got us. He loves it. He corrupts it. He tears it down. He destroys it. And so when, when they're in the middle of the garden, they have to make up their mind. They still have to make their minds up as to whether or not they're going to listen to Satan. He puts it out there. We got to decide whether or not we're going to do it. It's still our decision, so we can't say Satan made us. And women, the Bible is saying, as hard as it may be, if your husband is not violating the scriptures, constrain yourself to come up under his word. Because I wonder what he's doing as a head of your home. Strain yourself if he's not violating the word of God because that's your protection. The minute you get outside of your protection, you open up yourself to Satan manipulating you to do whatever he wants you to do. That's what the scriptures are teaching. And you see this over and over again. You go to Sarah. What does Sarah do? Come on, man. Let's solve this problem. Let's go get ahead and get Hagar. Let's get this thing knocked out. You think God goes, oh, Hagar, I'm going to make you barren? No, Hagar ends up pregnant. God didn't stop it. You knew what to do. You went and followed a newsy law. And the newsy law says if your wife can't have a child, use her first handmaiden. 
And Satan and, and Abraham followed the New Zealand law rather than God's word. Because Satan created doubt. She started laughing when God said, You're going to have a child. You see this in the scriptures. It's repeated. It's not just Adam and Eve. The Bible is saying when your husband is leading the home and he's not violating the scriptures, your protection is coming under him. Even when Sarah totally disagreed with this, I don't see me doing this to Everett, I'll just die. When he handed her over to Pharaoh, she was protected. Ananias and Sapphira, when you know your husband is saying stuff that ain't right, don't go following him, you die with him. So it goes both ways. Don't follow a man with, well, he's my husband, I guess I better. You'll be dead like he, like, okay. That's why the Bible is saying here, the Bible is saying here, don't use human wisdom. Human wisdom has just corrupted this thing to the last end of the thing. You got to see the Bible as sufficient. You got to see the Bible as having everything that you need for life and godliness. You got to see that God has put a man in your life to help constrain you to do what God has called you to do. If it's not a man in your life, he's given you leaders in the church trying to guide and protect the woman. He's saying to you, there's a tendency you have. And then that tendency that you have, I, when, when you were in a perfect state, you still had that tendency. And so now I'm asking you to come under your husband. That's why I desire it that way because I made you with a tendency why you're going to talk to the kids a woman can talk with babies longer than a man you ever saw that come here baby and they talking to this baby all day long and the man is going hey boy come here it's a different you see them talking to kids playing with kids interacting with kids all these different things with kids. I've made you with that nature because I made the man to discipline the child instruct the child I made the man to his brain I made you to your heart so the child will grow up with a heart for a heart that is got some sensitivity to it and, and the child would also still think because I got the man focused on his mind. I want to balance the child because if I make the child just to his emotions, then guess what? He's going to be a follower. She's going to be a follower. But if I make them with a leader in the home, even when they want to follow, somebody stabilizes them. I made this to create my agenda. I made the male and female to be fruitful and multiply. So I designed you all to get my agenda accomplished. So when you start rearranging the agenda, you end up with children that are shooting one, one, one another now so that's why women it's not a lack of ability that's the dumbest thing I ever heard people say and when they say it many times I just drop my head and shake my head I've seen my wife help me in ways I wouldn't have never thought to do it never thought that's what stopped me from traveling for the urban alternative as much as I did Came home and she had everything in order, everything done. The food is on the stove. All you got to do this is that, that. And she's running out the door with my kids, with our kids. And I'm going, this woman got everything in order. The more I stay away from here, she's going to be single parent and she got it down. I better come home. I don't want a wife that is less capable than me because then I mess up. We got a messed up family. I need a woman that's just as capable of me that if I did something, she's strong enough to keep it going. I don't need a weak woman. I need a strong woman. We stop here today. Let's go, let's go down to verse 6 and I'll summarize. I know y'all don't believe that and you shouldn't, but I'm going to do it. And when the woman saw the tree was what? Who decided? Who told her it was? Who told her the tree was good? God or Satan? Pop quiz. 
She said the tree was good. What word did she leave off? Didn't God say it was good and what? So what word did she leave off? She decided to have her own Bible. This tree looked good. What is she doing? She's comparing it with the other trees. What has she been doing? She's a vegan. She's a vegetarian at this time. I'm going to get twisted. Chapter 9, he says, eat anything. Okay? But in chapter 1, he said, you're vegans. You're vegetarians. So guess what she's been eating all this time? Fruit. Does she have another Satan in the garden? No. She don't have a model of Satan, but she has a model of fruit. So what does she use as common sense? This one, when I ate it over there, worked. That one over there, ate it, fine. So and that one over there, when I ate it, fine. This don't look any different. So why is wrong with it? Common sense. And she took out evil. Because now she's functioning on her ability. What does that bring in? Pride. What does that mean? I got this. Okay? Hey, when I take the bills from the man, this family do good. When I lie to him and tell him we ain't got no money, this family do good. Got quiet right there. I, I never forget a wife say to me, say, you teaching all this stuff. This man came home trying to do a budget. We never did no budget. Now he knows where all the money is. And Pastor Cannon's right now, I'm mad at you. I, I there's a whole lot of times I would get $300 for groceries. I spent 225 and kept the out of 75 he didn't know. Now he want to know everything. He wants to see the bank account. He wants to see where the money's going. Now you messed up my little thing going on and you messed me up. Now I got to tell him the whole truth or nothing but the truth. Where's the $75? Oh, I, 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 um, I, I, I got it in a bank account over here. What bank account over where? Oh, it's not a bank account. It's a shoebox in the back of the closet. <laughs> But when I'm working this thing, it's working good. He's, he's not complaining. He's eating. When he asks me to buy something, I get it for him. So why you got to do all this together stuff? We don't need no together stuff. I need my stash. <laughs> I need my stash. Don't be messing with me right now. <laughs> See, what, whatever turns out as good for some women in a marriage is what they run with. They don't forget that God is saying when you pick from another tree, it also it turns out evil. And you can't change my word and how it's going to turn out. You can't change my results. You can't change it. So when you decide to go do it your way and do it in the way you think works and do it in the way you think should happen, the Bible is saying even though it may look it's working good for you, it's going to turn out evil. Your kids may turn out to be wrong. Your kids may be off the deep end. Your kids may be going down a dark road. Your kids may be going in the wrong direction because you introduce evil into the house by, by choosing to decide what you believe is good. And Jesus Christ himself will tell you only good can come from God I can't even bring you good as a man good only comes from God so since good only comes from God you can't create good you got to be with good to get good I know how some of y'all be thinking I've been around the block at least once just once just once and I know women got their stashes that's why they go to the mailbox sometimes first. <laughs> they ain't trying to go after he gets the mail. Or they tell him, oh, you got the mail? Put it over there. 
Hmm. Am I too close today? But it's working good. Our marriage is good. We're talking good. We're fine. We're good. Even intimacy. Be available to your husband. I leave that one alone. But pastor, I know when he really needs to be with me. I know my man. But right now it's not good. I know when it's good. Mm-hmm. It got real close right now. <laughs> that it was good to her. And she gave it to her husband. And marriage was restructured. And sin came in. Got a man. Watch these words carefully. I promise I'm done after this. Then the eyes of both of them, then the man ate who was with her. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, that's when sin entered into the world. So the woman did not bring sin, the man did. Sin entered into the world when the head of the house agreed with the wife to do wrong. My wife is sick of me saying, I'm not leaving my post. I don't believe that making peace creates peace. I believe staying in the will of God leads to peace. So staying in the will of God can sometimes be a war, but eventually it will be peace. It could be a war sometimes staying in the will of God, but I'm going to stay in the will of God and fight the battle. I'm going to stay all the way through the battle because I believe that in the fight, God is the one who creates peace. So sometimes before Ukraine can experience peace, they got to go to war. And men want to keep the bedroom. So they say, I'm going to make peace. Go to your mama, go to your mama, go to your mama. What are they doing? Restructuring the marriage. Restructuring the house. So they can have peace. And then end up with a messed up home. I ain't sending them to mama. I said, come to me. The rule in my house was when I walked through the door, come to me. I may go to your mama and ask her what she said first. But come to me. I'm not leaving my post. Why? Because the minute Satan restructured it, it's over. And you can't say, well, you know, Adam was a good, perfect man. In this state, he functioned as a weak leader. So sometimes in your house, there's a weak leader. How do you become Abigail? Study Abigail. She had a weak leader. An awful husband. So here's the last thing. How did they know they were naked? You know, when you got two small kids and you put them in a bathtub, boy and girl, they just play forever. They don't know nothing. They're having a blast. I say my grandkids, then they're talking and say, y'all are supposed to take a shower and not have a, a business meeting. Then they're talking, running their mouth, yeah, man, man, the water just running, and they're just talking, and they're naked as ever, small as ever, just talking. They ain't thinking nothing. What makes it get evil? Information. Then eyes open. The word eye opening means oida. To see means to come to knowledge. For the first time, they see evil in nakedness. Don't forget, everything is naked. Animals are naked, everything naked. Nothing got clothes on. For the first time, they see nakedness as evil. When Satan is in it. I must admit, I'm going to give away a hint here. I'll give away a hint. And that is many times when people come to me in a marriage counseling and they say to me, well... I'm not going to be around him, uh, expose myself to him. And I said, who are you dating? 
Oh, they get mad. Who you dating? I ain't dating nobody. Who you talking to at work that you sharing all your business with? Oh, man, it's not like that. Or, no, pastor's not like that. And they get real righteous, religious. So, no, somebody has introduced evil. And so now you're naked. See, nakedness in a marriage, we explained it last week, is vulnerability. Nakedness in a marriage is where we're in the scope of who God has made us and we're comfortable with what God has done for us. Nakedness in a marriage doesn't always mean sex. He went on to talk about sex. Nakedness in a marriage literally means that we are exposed to one another as husbands and wives in a way nobody else will ever see us. And in that process of being exposed in a way that nobody else could ever see us, it creates an intimacy in our marriage. And that intimacy in our marriage belongs so much to us, it keeps us close to one another. That's a summary of what it means. And that's why the Bible encourages people to be naked with one another because it creates intimacy. When a man wants to make it about sex all the time, it does lead the woman wanting to get dressed all the time. But the Bible is saying, hey, leave it as a place where intimacy, marriage life is created and then be involved in that process. And admire your woman and admire your husband because the Bible is saying when that happens, there is no shame. It brings such a deep level of intimacy. You don't, you don't find as many things wrong in the marriage. It helps to kill the wrong and fussing and all this other stuff because you begin to miss the, the fundamental thing that makes a husband and wife a husband and wife is that they could be naked with one another and they will not have any problems because this person is my husband, this person is my wife. The Bible is saying when, like I told y'all, it starts right there. When a person is like that and they're exposing to one another, interacting with one another, taking showers together or going to the bathroom together, doing those things together, when those things lead to to a marriage having its intimate times of conversation, talking, interaction, intimacy. The Bible says that gets so missed, the couple want to solve everything else. So that's why when it's like that, <laughs> there's no shame. But when everything else comes into it, there's shame. I, I, I say this Genuinely, with all my heart. Matter of fact, I got in trouble with this, and <laughs> I can't tell you this is anything in the Bible, but you don't do it. But like I told y'all, I went to the doctor. Son was being born. I was a, I was a novice with a child being born and what it's like for a woman going to a doctor. And I walk into the doctor's office because I had to go do something. Came back to the doctor's office and I saw my wife in a certain position. And I went, "Oh no, I'm getting me a woman doctor." This ain't happening but once. <laughs> I took it all the way there. I did. So today, I'll do the research. I'll do everything. But when it comes to private things like that, my wife going to get her a woman doctor. <laughs> I know I messed up. I know I'm dead. But I actually see that. The man and the husband and the wife were not ashamed. Do you know that nowhere in this text, Satan ever says, go talk to your husband. Go talk to your wife. He had no respect for marriage. He said, woman and man, 
Y'all got married? Bump that. As far as I'm concerned, you're woman and man. That's how I destroy you. So when we're in marriage, that's why nakedness is there. When we're in marriage and somebody could talk to you and t- or talk to your husband and you don't have any preview to that information because there's secrets that are developed, it's Satan saying, I don't care about your marriage. I don't care about who you're married to. As far as I'm concerned, you ain't no wife and you ain't no husband. You're a woman and a man. I could do what I want. He never says husband and wife. Not once. Because he doesn't respect marriage he has no regard for it and that's exactly where the world is people could be homosexuals bump the marriage we create our own we do what we want to do satan has no respect for marriage none let's live together live as long as we want we grown we know what we're doing no regard for marriage let's do our thing it's a friday night special He has no regard for marriage. None. So anytime anybody's interacting with you and they say things like, girl, I know you're married, but we could talk. Run. Man, I... Run. They're telling you, I'm Satan dressed up smelling good. Run. You run. I don't care if it's a preacher. Run. Do Joseph, not David. David show you when you hang around, you could be a man after God's own heart. <laughs> and you'll be like Adam. You'll bite the fruit. So it's better to do Joseph. Run. When a person say they need to have a meeting with you at your job, and it's always late at night, and it's a man and a woman, Change it. It's better to put your job at risk for your marriage than to try to hold on to your job and lose your marriage. Run. Satan has no respect for marriage. He never mentions it, never discusses it, never brings it up. Don't care if she talks to Adam. Don't care nothing. She does. He doesn't. And that's why he never calls Adam or talks to Adam because who named Adam Adam? God. So if I call Adam, Adam, I just gave respect to God for his order. Well, he never says, take the fruit to your husband. Who does it on her own? She does. Because he knew that he was right there saying nothing and he had all the information. Don't be a passive man. Don't be passive. When you know what God is calling you to do, stand up. Sometimes don't say a whole lot sometimes, men. Sometimes when you say a whole lot, our wives know what the buttons to press. They know every button. You'll be fighting over nothing, want to know what we started talking about anyway. Our wives could press buttons. I mean, and we just going off like atomic bombs. <laughs> Quiet up in here. But you know I'm telling the truth. <clears throat> so sometimes it's better to just take a stand and do what you got to do and do it what God called you to do. And sometimes, eventually, it brings down the noise. But don't start fighting until you have to. But be a leader. Don't be passive. Be a leader. I'm doing what you got to do. Ask this last question. I'm saying that for I ain't been last in a long time. Men, what is your vision for your house? 
Where do you see your house five years from now? Where do you see your house three years from now? Just paying bills? Where, where are you going? If you're a leader, you're going somewhere. That's why you end up being the enemy sometimes. Because you're always going somewhere. Where are you going, man? When a woman sees where you're going, and she sees you aggressively working it with integrity, it helps her to come under. Adam stopped going. She had nothing to come under. So she started leading. Because she was made in the image of God. Let us stand.